Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you so much for joining us for your Ring of Honor and Impact post-show. It is August 31st somehow. My goodness. Where does the time go? I am joined by the wonderful SP3. Okay, here's what happens. Reg never remembers to tell me when he can't make the show. So sometime when I have an inkling he might, like when he's a big StarCast hotshot doing live Grapsity recordings, I'm like, are you going to make the show today? And he's like, oh, no, I can't. Come on, Reg, help me help you a little bit, man. But uh, I am very excited to be joined by SP3 because here's the thing. You need someone at the buzzer. You're coming down the home stretch. You need a little extra support. We pull an SP3. Always there. Always ready. Sorry, Matt Cardona. You're not always I'm ready. The, SP3 I'm, is always ready. I'm the Robert Horry of Fightful. There you when go. They need me, when they need a clutch shot, I can have zero points. They'll find me in the corner, and I'll hit the three. Hit the three at the buzzer. That's what I'm here for. But I'm glad. I'm glad you you asked me. You're one of my favorite people to talk Ring of Honor with. You or Reg yeah, are my favorite that. people to talk Ring of Honor with. And we have a Ring of Honor pay-per-view on Sunday. Who we didn't knew? know it before Wednesday, but it is a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. I don't think they even knew. So, uh, yeah. I mean... This is a weird one. This is a weird one. So right off the bat, this is not like the best episode of ROH, right? And we pretty much knew that would be the case. They tape on the collision cycle and collision was taped at a different way in time as they normally are from their usual schedule because of the big Wembley show, right? So we knew this was going to be a little off kilter. Gotta say, if it's going to be 57 minutes and no matches that make sense, I don't know, man. I don't know. You could do a little better than that, but right off the bat, there are a couple of things that I would like to complain about on the internet before we dive in that have been week over week complaints. And I do feel like they are worth reiterating in a sense, which is ROH operating on this. Who's available in the back on Saturdays thing doesn't really, really work too well, especially in situations like this. Now we've seen a course correction. I feel like since death before dishonor two now where, we started to see stories. We started to see people kind of 
isolate what titles they're going for instead of being like, this week you're in a trio and that week you're a singles competitor and here's a bunch of matches. This was a huge step back in that regard for this week, but a little bit more expected. I'll have a little bit more grace around it because there were obviously extenuating circumstances, but this does go back to the reoccurring problem with ROH, which is that people are there to see collision and not ROH, right? They're there for a collision show and they're entering the building or they're leaving the building or whatever, as opposed to those Orlando tapings or the pre-AEW era where people were showing up for ROH. And it, it makes it really tricky because your live audience doesn't care and you're not giving anybody at home something to care about. And we're going to talk about ZSJ and Metalik in a minute, but I was like, I think ZSJ has been on this program more than Claudio has your ROH champion, which I ain't complaining about. I love a good Tekker match, please, any day of the week. But at the same time, he works for New Japan Pro Wrestling SP3. This isn't like a great thing that we're getting more New Japan TV title defenses on the show than we are world championship title defenses. So that's kind of complaint number one. And complaint number two is we got to get this, this production stuff figured out, man. It looks like dark. It feels like dark. Um, and from the production standpoint, too, there was an episode around Forbidden Door where we were in Chicago and Toronto and all over the place, and there was nothing commentary could do to save that. Today, yeah. we get like a weird interview giggle backstage that doesn't get edited out. We got some pretty like lame Ronda Rousey chants during Marina Shafir's match that really should have been audio turned down. And I have like no patience for that with a 57 minute episode. What were you doing? What were you editing together that you could take care of these tiny details? It was 57 minutes. It's normally double that. So I just feel like we were making all this progress and this week took a step back. Now, I'm assuming they're going to get back on track. Lord knows there's things to worry about in AEW. But this also is a go-home episode that we didn't know was going to be a go-home episode to all in. So it feels very weird. And we're going to get into the implications of that, too. I'm very excited about Samoa Joe and Shane Taylor. I think this is actually a great opportunity to maybe move that belt to Shane Taylor. I don't know how I feel about the tag title picture yet. I'm going to let that one happen before I make any judgments. But we, of course, saw the tag titles change hands at Wembley. Love what it did for the story. Don't love what it does for this promotion. So mixed results for me on that. But let's start uh, by complaining, SP3. What are your thoughts on uh, what we're getting? Like, do you feel the same frustrations that I do, I guess, with the lack of separation in rosters and this combined taping schedule just not really being conducive to creating a separate product? Yeah, this was like uh, a rare opportunity because if anyone who usually sees my content notice I have a different background, I am in Chicago right now. So I actually got to watch Ring of Honor with someone else, which is not is not something that I usually do. And it's actually, you know, Stat King from the Trio Heat YouTube channel who does a Ring of Honor review. So he's been watching it, you know, as well as us. And I was like, this show used to be one of my favorites. Like the first 10 weeks, I was like, you know what this show reminds me of though now? NWA Power. Because I was high on that in the first 10 weeks as well. I can't allow that. Okay, I can't allow, I can't allow SP3 to come on here and compare it to NWA. No, I'm just kidding. 
I mean, am I wrong, though? That was really good, the first two. Power was really good. Like, when it had, like, Zicky Dice and Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston and a lot of the talent that moved on, Thunder Rosa, NWA Power, people don't want to believe me now because they just had Tyrus as your champion, and they were like, let's give it to EC3. That's a great move. Um, Like, look at the wrestling landscape right now. All those guys are the guys that are, like, the most over and most popular that were on that NWA Power stretch. Like, LA Knight is one of the biggest baby faces in WWE. He was Eli Drake getting drunk on a Christmas episode of <laughs> NWA Power just three, three, four years ago. Eddie Kingston got people to pay attention to him again after he had a little bit of a lull in NWA that got him his contract pretty much in, in uh, AEW. Thunder Rosa was like this kind of like mysterious kind of aura factor that got her so a contract cool. in AEW, but... Like with the early Ring of Honor Universal Studios shows, I was getting into things and I was feeling like there was like some type of identity to the show. And then once Collision came into play, it's totally taken the identity where it's just ROH dark. It really is. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it when you have nothing but matches and no promos in front of the fans. And I'm not asking for a dedicated promo segment. I am talking about someone wins a match and just talks about it afterwards. That's all I want. That's all I want. Just win a match and then do a promo afterwards. Because then I feel like these guys are actually in front of an audience actually being wrestlers and not just wrestling two to three minute matches. They actually have promos. They're actually establishing their character, doing stories. Because as much as I enjoyed the backstage promos, that's all we get on this show. So we need something to get these people invested. And maybe if you start doing that, you'll see week to week, maybe more people are more invested in the Ring of Honor shows and Ring of Honor matches. When you go to the next collision taping, just give it a try. Just try something out. You know, SP3, you raise a really good point because I was very into the beginning phases of this ROH reboot too. And I think it was because they were taping out of Orlando and they didn't have a choice but to plan eight weeks in advance or whatever. Like they had to lay out a plan and they had to stick to it because they were not going week to week in a live arena. Now, I love that the ROH talent is getting all this exposure as well, but the lack of clarity in the roster is something that's also a huge issue for me because sometimes they just spill who's out of the locker room from collision onto this program. And also I get frustrated when people are competing in different divisions over and over again. I think because I really liked how ROH was functioning before it shut down. And there was a tremendous amount of clarity. You chose a division and it was Bible, whatever belt you were going after. You're going after the pure title. You're going to wrestle under pure rules. That is the division you're in and your wins lead toward that. So I've said a few times and I hate to to reiterate, but like it went from the most logical wrestling American television program to the least logical wrestling American television program. And so that gap I think is why ROH fans have so much to complain about. I did feel like it was getting back on track. So I'm really hoping that this week is kind of the exception in that regard. Um, I I think it just came from this, this weird collision schedule. I'm, I'm sure that factored into it. It's kind of avoidable, but and to mention your your the production things, and usually they have five days to do the editing for the production. Kate, they had 12, and they still couldn't do it. 12. 12, 12. days. That, this was filmed 12 days ago, in case anybody was wondering. 
you could have edited five minutes a day and you still would have had a cushion. That is how short this episode was and how many extra days that they had. There's really kind of no excuse for this, but it also just kind of loses that ROH feel when it's fatigued crowds or crowds that are filtering in. So there's a lot of problems that they still are up against, but I did feel like we were at least getting stories that were making sense. So I'm hoping next week we get back on track, but I feel like the overall pain point for this program is they need separate rosters and a, a separate taping schedule or separate places to go. Like I always feel like ROH is at its best when it kind of has homes or mainstays, like when they're kind of got these hubs around the country or whatever that they, they consistently hit. So those are kind of my frustrations with it. And we're going to talk about the pay-per-view. If you guys are tuning in for the review proper, we're going to start that at nine o'clock. We just noticed that people join us in our usual time slot more often than not, but feel free to get into your super chats and your humper chats at humperchats.com. It's been a while since we reminded the good people what a humper chat is. What the hell is a humper chat? You might ask. How did they get this past their boss? Well, it was our boss's idea to call it that. So Humper Chats function just like Super Chats. You can get your question or statement right on air at humperchats.com. Fifle just gets to keep a little bit more of the percentage. So we prefer those here, but we are happy to take your money in any way, shape, or form that you want to give it to us, including Fightful Select subscriptions. You get your daily CM Punk update on FightfulSelect.com now. More clarity around the skirmish with Miro that we heard about. More clarity around the details with the CM Punk backstage fight. Um, we found out today that there was security footage that should hopefully expedite things and move things along. There was also a call with Tony Khan, so there are more details about that. Those are readily available to the public. But FightfulSelect.com is all the scoops and keys you could ever want. And it also has bonus podcast featuring yours truly with Alex Falowski this weekend uh, we have payback and we have all out I always want to flip them call them all in it all out uh this weekend Saturday and Sunday very glad I have Monday off from work so I can sleep in because it's gonna be a long one but looking forward to it you can get your alternative post show at fightfulselect.com the main channel I'll have your your usual guys but Alex and I have fun behind the paywall okay it's a little bit it's younger sexier shows so let's talk a little bit about how we have an ROH AW pay-per-view coming up and let's talk a little bit about Wembley because there were some ROH product uh, implications of things that happened now the ROH tag titles were defended by Aussie Open they lost to better than babies I like to call them <laughs> better, better than, than you, babies baby. I was like what do they have against babies my like, God, they just hate babies on? and Roddy Strong's neck. It's terrible. Jesus. Dude, Not caring course, about people's neck health. Sheesh. I know. I We both tweeted the same thing about Marina Shafir. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But better than you, baby. Uh, of course, MJF and Adam Cole winning those tag titles. And I really like what it did for their story because I was watching that pre-show match looking at the math of who was going to turn on who. And we didn't really get it because they won. So we also... Consequently, didn't get a turn later in the night in that main event. However, I have a really um, big pain point around the fact that these tag titles went from the Briscoes to Jay Briscoe's passing to a memorial ladder match, the Reach for the Sky ladder match that was in his honor and made to feel very important to the Lucha Brothers, who literally never defended them on ROH television, but did on AEW television. To Aussie Open, who had a short reign, but at least defended him a couple times. 
And now they're kind of being used as a prop in a bigger AEW story. And I just, I don't like that trend, especially going from where they were to, what were they, 19-time champions? The Briscoes, I think? 13 times, I believe. 13, 13 times, okay. I was like, I think Jay's total championships was 19, but 13-time tag champs to them being a prop for MJF and Adam Cole. Now, you compare this to the Bloodline story in WWE, and that feels more true day over day over day. <laughs> I got to say, like, that's a very apt comparison. Um, so I... I liked what it did for the intent that they were going for. I don't like what it does to my ring of honor, but I'm intrigued to see how this flips back the other way. This story obviously leaves a great opening for the kingdom to come and win them. But these are all things that feel like they should be building out on the promotion that they're in. Yeah. 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 That would, that would, that would definitely be nice. But I, I, I actually addressed this as well when I was watching it and I said it to my friend, I'll say it here. The, the one main flaw that a lot of people don't bring up about Tony Khan is his lack of coming up with an idea when something happens. Because we had to deal with Jay Cargill being on a treadmill for six months because Chris <laughs> Statlander was was injured. We had to, we've had to deal with so, so many instances, but the main instances in, in this case is Jay Briscoe's passing totally messed up the tag team division for ring of honor because Tony Khan has gone on record and said his plan was Briscoe's versus a Lucha bros for year two for him under ring of honor. Simple solution would have been do Aussie open versus Lucha bros. I mean, it was, right it was right there for you and whatever feud you were going to do, however many matches you were going to do with Briscoe's and Lucha bros, you could have done that with Aussie open. We literally went from Lucha Bros to Aussie Open as tag team champions and have never seen an Aussie Open versus Lucha Bros tag team match. We've Which never is, seen it because they won it in a four-way. And look, SP3, I don't mean to be harsh, but I find that to be plain silly. Okay, I hate to use such strong language. <laughs> Seems kind of silly to me because it's so obvious. There's so many things that are right there. And actually, when ROH kind of turned that corner after Death Before Dishonored, I felt like things were really good. I was like see how simple all these fixes that we've been complaining are and then this week it just feels like we took a major step back however hopefully we just get back on track we've got matthew plus being nice to me which makes me itchy he's normally in here trolling but he says your makeup looks positively radiant tonight i'm assuming there's a snarky super chat coming behind that but i'll take more of your money but that's very kind of you thank you matthew plus and I will simply not read whatever other snarky chat you have and make something up instead. So Matthew Plus actually always here to troll us, but always supporting. We do appreciate it. We got some more Super Chats and Humper Chats coming in from you guys. We thank you so much for the support. We're going to switch into the ROH proper review at the top of the hour so that we can bridge the gap to Impact because we had a 57-minute episode. So Tony Khan might not be that great at adjusting on the fly, but damn it. If SP3 and I are not professionals. Now, the other thing that we should talk about is that we have what I'm very excited about, and that's Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor, who deserves this spot so much. He gave a great promo last week talking about Samoa Joe, talking about how he was holding it down while all these big stars had kind of moved on, and he doesn't get any of the credit for that because the whole time he was there, everybody was talking about this past era. Loved that he called that back because now we're in an era where he can face those guys. And I really, really loved the story that they got into right away. 
very happy that they chose to do this after Samoa Joe and Dalton because I thought this yeah. was going to be happening the first time around with that Eliminator tournament. So very excited for that. And it's cool that even though I prefer ROH titles get defended on ROH, it is very cool that Shane Taylor gets to have such an important moment on an AEW pay-per-view. I think this might be the place to do this. I think it might be time to transition this belt from Samoa Joe over to Shane Taylor. That's always a really fun story if you want to revisit it at some point too. But Samoa Joe, is, he's working collision. He's got other stuff going on. He's in like eight different storylines, I feel like, all the time. He is one of my favorite big men in the business. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing him out there taking on this ROH talent. But it just feels like in a world where your tag champs aren't around, Claudio's not around, Samoa Joe's been there a little bit, um, but let's put these on guys that feel like Ring of Honor guys and get this thing out of the mud. It's kind of where I stand. And Shane Taylor, man, he's a horse you can back any day of the week. Good stuff, I think, if he goes over. What are your thoughts and expectations for that match? I think I immediately when they announced that that's going to be on All Out, I was like, I get to see big, meaty men slapping me live in the United Center. Can't wait for it. I thought Samoa Joe's performance at All In was probably his best match since coming to AEW because he kind of felt like he was in his comfort zone. He was on the big stage, the big stage in a big stadium show in front of eighty thousand. He's versing a career, a career, uh, you know, rival there. And then in retrospect, it's really just Samoa Joe is like relieved to be out there because he had to talk his opponent to getting out there. But I mean. <laughs> In retrospect, however you want to look at it, it felt like he was just refreshed and he was able to breathe. So I would love for him to drop the TV title on Sunday to Shane Taylor, for Shane Taylor to get a main run in front of more eyes than what was previously on Ring of Honor. Because when it came to that last era before Tony Khan bought it, it was him and Jonathan Gresham. They were the faces of Ring of Honor. They were Ring of Honor through and through. They bled it. They were it. And they were the giving us the best, the best stuff during that time. So I would love to see him get back on it. But once again, I will highlight what I said before. This is not the plan. So Joe will drag this out until we get to the plan. The plan is Joe dropping the title to Mark Briscoe. So however long Mark Briscoe is out, I think Joe's going to keep the title. I he just doesn't know it does not seem I have not seen any proof that this man knows how to adjust on the fly and the adjustment you're 100 right the adjustment to do if Mark Bristol is injured is put the title on Shane Taylor but I don't think he's going to do that I think he's going to wait till Mark Bristol comes back the only time I remember Tony Khan kind of adequately adjusting to when somebody got white hot was when he put the title on Jamie Hayter that feels like the yes. only time he like capitalized on the moment. Now, I also feel like and, Samoa and the acclaimed, and the acclaimed. and the acclaimed. But even that one, it took the second time around, right? We had the retention first. Now that match kind of heated up to where we were going. I think so. Yeah. No complaints about that. But I do feel like we got to make some effort. This is like a a product vulnerability rather than like I don't like that booking. So I'm hoping that. They realize that Samoa Joe has been around much more than Claudio, much more than your tag title. So I, I will say he's been, I think he was supposed to be filming Sweet Tooth and that everybody went on strike and he was like, well, I'm around. So 
on all work. Yes, I, I I got told I got told that um by by someone in the company because they saw my complaining tweet that this random tournament came out of nowhere and they was like yeah just because of the SAG thing I was like oh okay I'll oh shut up there you go <laughs> no need to shut up hey there's a lot of times where you I mean I'm sure you get this I hear so many things and I believe like none of them someone yeah. DM'd me to tell Sean. That AR Fox also started a fight in Wembley, and he was not in the country. So people will just say stuff that they feel it's like. Truth. Um, but <laughs> to your point, like it's our job to look at what's there creatively, and some when stuff doesn't make sense creatively, I don't really care what's going on backstage. It's not my fault. I'm not trying to keep people from punching each other in the head. I don't give a shit. So. Uh, <laughs> That's not my job. My job is to complain on the internet about things I don't like. Exactly. Crazy and things I, I, I do and, like. And that's kind of the response I had because I did say, I was like, okay, I'll shut up now. And they was like, no, don't shut up. We we actually like when you you say you're, you're you and, uh, and other people like you, Kate, are the only people that talk about Ring of Fire. So, so yeah, keep, keep talking. Whether it's positive or negative, it gets the word out and it gets people to pay attention. So I will never give up on her, which I'm just that girl. I won't. I've been I here. Can't. I I I've loved ROH since I stepped foot Ring of Honor Final Battle 2006. Saw Homicide beat Brian Danielson for the Ring of Honor World Championship. So I will be here until the wheels fall off. I stayed during that last era when it was it was rough. I came back. I, I had left. I'll tell you, Kate. This is a true story. I left Ring of Honor in 2009 when Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness. I was I was at that show, the final countdown in Hammerstein. And me and my friends, we looked at each other at the end of that matchup, and we were like, we're never going to come back here. The God, God is leaving. Brian's leaving. <laughs> Brian's leaving. Nigel's leaving. We got no reason to come back here. And it was Kevin Steen and El Generico's feud that made me go back to Ring of Honor. So I've been here since then, stuck around, took that one-year break, but so many years. I, I can't give up on it. I'm going to try. I know. I know. It's an abusive relationship, but here we are. <laughs> And we are at the top of the hour, so we are going to flip over into our usual Ring of Honor review. Thank you so much for joining us. We always see a little bit of a spike when people tune in at 9 o'clock, so we did want to save uh, the actual episode that we're reviewing tonight for now. Uh, so we will remind you to get in your Super Chats and your Humper Chats at HumperChats.com. We'll also ask you to leave a thumbs up on this video if you could. It helps people find us in the algorithm. And we'll remind you to fight, subscribe to Fightful Select. Uh, you got your daily CM Punk updates. You got me back there. There is also, I don't know if it's up already, but there are more details coming out about AR Fox's absence and what's going on there that are being posted on Fightful Select as well. I know that creative feels like it flipped a bit of a switch. So keep an eye out on those on FightfulSelect.com. We appreciate you so much for joining us. Today's episode, not a lot of memorable stuff on it, SP3. But I saw... I saw Zack Sabre Jr. in Metal League, and I was like, we're going to have a hell of a main event, and it kicked off the show, and I was like, it's just going to go downhill from here. What are we doing? You have ZSJ versus Metal League. You have ZSJ at Collision and not at Wembley. I can't even, that's a whole other can of worms that I can't even open, man. I don't get it. God bless Grado and Jeff Jarrett. I don't understand how the hell you're not putting Zack Sabre Jr. on instead of 74 video packages. Maybe as a part of the we're giving Will Ospreay a sales pitch to come here in six months deal. Zack Sabre Jr. recently made it pretty clear that he's not going to be working in American promotion anytime soon. 
Um, and what was a very entertaining promo where he called Osprey Billy no brains as well, which I always appreciate. But hey, Billy, you know brains. I, I just love I just love his accent. He's just great. He's the best. <laughs> my sister, so my sister doesn't watch wrestling. If you watched my reviews, yeah. I mentioned her. Y'all know this. Um, but she will ask me like, oh, what's so and so's character? If there's someone that I bring up frequently, and she's like, oh, what's Zack Saber Jr.'s character? I was like. Uh, that he's the best technical wrestler in the world and calls people dickheads. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you just gotta watch him. It's the I, best. I once described him to, to my missus. I was like, he's a George Michael obsessed technical wrestler. That's, <laughs> That's my description of Zack Sabre Jr. It's fantastic. And it doesn't sound like much. And then you watch it and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. So she was in on ZSJ. She called him the Tony Hawk of professional wrestling because of his look and his gait. Like he has such a long, um, like proportions wise. Uh, but it's, uh, it gets us kicked off here, which I feel kind of odd about this kicking off the show. But we're going to kick off our show with some super chats and humper chats that you guys have sent in and we appreciate those i mean norma's saying sup partners sup partner uh tonight was roh dark elevator my highlight was that there was a wrestler named beef <laughs> oh my, my god guy. he's me i marked out for beef i marked out for beef i'll admit i marked out <laughs> beef is pretty great i'm not mad about it Maybe it'll be better next week. I think it will. I think we'll kind of return to regular form next week, I hope. And Shane Monster saying, just a quick stop to say, no Athena, no Stokely, make me something, something. <laughs> oh, well, Starfield was... Day. Have a great night, guys. I... Thank you. I 100% laugh a lot less on this episode without Athena and Stokely here. I was missing them. That's like my, that's like my uncle and my big sister, and they wasn't around. At the family reunion. They weren't. They weren't here. And it stinks. Um, There was just a lot of noticeable absences. Like, just even, like, Layla Hirsch, Trisha Dora, people that were used to seeing this was just, uh, it's like all the extras of a movie decided to start playing the lead roles. And that's not meant to be degrading toward that talent in any way. It's just not what we've been seeing on our screen week after week. But this match, to the surprise of zero people, was fantastic. <laughs> we get a, a rematch here from the Cruiserweight Classic of Metalik and ZSJ from 2016. Some really, really fun stuff that happened in this. This ends with Metalik going for the rope walk, elbow drop, but Zack Sabre Jr., as usual, catching in the Fujiwara armbar. These finishes, he did this to Action Andretti too, where it's like you're cranking back on both and your opponent has to submit with their foot or verbally, was, or whatever. I marked out uh, Kate to that. He's like, it, it's so crazy how it goes from such a smooth transition from, you gotta get that timing right. If you screw up the timing of a top rope into the cravat that he'll catch people in, these arm bars, um, it doesn't work. Like, everything kind of falls apart if the timing is messed up. I've seen it happen. It's not great. Haven't seen it happen with him, but I've seen it happen. And then to go from that fluidity into the viciousness of those is really, really rough. We also got a nice overhead shot of him stomping in this. But some other things that I just really, really liked about this match, the story that we got between these two, they had each other scouted. They should. They faced each other before. But Zack Sabre Jr. going for these early submissions and Metalik being able to kind of slip away a lot in this, I thought was really wonderful. 
Love ZSJ going for the handshake and, of course, turning it into a wrist lock. Metalik, you fool. How didn't you see that coming? But some really good stuff here from Metalik, too, picking the pace up with the hooking of Zack Sabre Jr.'s arm and hitting that step-up Huracan Rana I thought was great. I think Zack Sabre Jr.'s La Mystica into the Cobra Twist, so good when he took it down to the ground. But again, Metalik squirming out. Just some really, really simple storytelling here. And this is why the Techers rule the Luchas, okay? Right here. Because you can make a story out of essentially no story, like, pretty quickly when your wrestling is this far advanced and you are kind of colliding these styles a little bit. Like, I really, really appreciate that in every Zack Sabre Jr. match we get a story even when there isn't one, whether it's just him targeting a body part, in this case, being aware of all of Metal League's Lucha prowess. He he gave him praise earlier in the match. I, I love how much technical wrestling can slow down matches like that. I saw it with Pete Dunne on Tuesday in the Cruiser the Cruiserweight Classic, I wish. Uh, <laughs> the Heritage Cup Invitational in a great match, but again, that technical style when you're going with someone that's a million miles an hour, really easy way to control the paces of these things because my big complaint... I don't really have big complaints, but a complaint I have with Lucha Wrestling is sometimes it gets superfluous and sometimes it gets to a million miles an hour when you're in there with a checker. Smarty Pants know how to stop those things and break your fingers and all these delicious things. So this was match of the night for me. Unfortunately, it was our opener and there wasn't a whole lot on the back end of this, but I ain't complaining about Metalik and Zack Sabre Jr. ever, ever, ever. This was fantastic. Wrestler of the Year candidate for sure. It's either him or Will Ospreay, and it's whatever one I just watched, SP3. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but what were your thoughts on this match? Anything else you want to discuss or call out here? Bro, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. has been the most consistent wrestler of the year, so seeing him have a good to great matchup on a Thursday randomly, it seems like a lot of times when he's on Ring of Honor television, I am totally fine with. I love that they acknowledge their history together and the fact that they I, I understand why someone like Tony Khan, because he, he's, he's just like us, he remembers these things or he, he looked it up and he remembered it. These two did open the Cruiserweight Classic final because they were in the semifinal, the opener of that show. TJP and Kota Ibushi was the next match, and then that led to TJP versus Matthew in the main event. So that, that history, I understand why probably that was the thought Tony Khan had in opening the show with this, but this should have been the main event. I feel like we would feel a lot better about this episode overall if that was the last thing that we saw and not the main event we actually got, where I was just like, they really don't build up anybody to face these guys. That's how I felt at the end of the show. Half the time, the trio stamps are walking around doing tag matches. I don't know what to tell you, but it's not great. It's not I was like, great. I, I know you didn't say, but I was like, the, the team that's going to be versus the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions should be in a trios matchup against this team because that's the only trio they built up with that feud that they had like come on it's quite obvious they're the team to dethrone them but they're facing the tag team champions never makes sense but this matchup i love the styles clash i love zsj he just he had that little bit of aggression because he remembered matt Talik beat him and he had something to prove so he had a chip on his shoulder that's why he kept going back to the ground game kept going back to the submissions i like when matt Talik's in there with someone who has a little bit different style i feel like if it, like you said it gets kind of 
over the top or too much if he's in there with another luchador when he has someone to balance his style a lot more like a very different style like Zack Sabre Jr it's always the better matchup their matchup the Cruiserweight Classic was was great this was great as well and by far the best thing on the show but now this is the section Kate where I complain because I gave you the benefit of the doubt, Tony Khan. I gave you the benefit of the doubt. When Zack Sabre Jr. pulled up on Orange Cassidy before Forbidden Door, I was like, okay, I'm fine now. I thought we were doing Zack Sabre Jr. versus Samoa Joe at Forbidden Door, but Zack Sabre Jr. and Orange Cassidy are the two best champions in the world. So if you're going to hold off on ZSJ versus Samoa Joe for London, maybe... I'm totally fine with him being a part of this forbidden door four-way for the international championship. But we get through Wembley, we get through London, Samoa Joe and CM Punk. I can probably count on one hand the amount of minutes CM Punk talked about Samoa Joe in the lead-up to that matchup. One, because he has 146 feuds to deal with so he could have done one of those at Wembley if you really wanted to get him on the card and you could have done ZSJ versus Joe there. Or you could have just done ZSJ and Joe there and then say CM Punk for the Chicago show because the Chicago show is the tougher sell because it comes after the 80,000 arena, 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium, but you're doing an a, a arena show the next week and you've done no draws. You didn't even build up. You spent like 10 minutes on collision every week to build up this damn show. And now you got to do the whole build up in one week when you could have just done ZSJ and Joe kept Punk completely off the whole thing. And maybe everybody be talking about the most biggest wrestling event of all time instead of CM Punk who said to Dwayne Johnson your arms are too short to box with God but Dolph Ziggler's little brother and Dylan McKay's kid can box with God a rare SP3 rant that was so good and I agree with you I think I think maybe they were thinking death before dishonor would be ZSJ and Samoa Joe sorry Properly build Joseph of the Samoans, Jeffy Zach, much better. Uh, but of course, that conflicted with the G1. Now, here's the thing this isn't parent teacher conferences where you get your schedule at the beginning of the month. You know when the G1 is. Like, we're very aware. So, poor planning there. But I got to say, I couldn't be more with you. Now, you're going to want Sam Punk. You're going to want the biggest draw in your company, probably at the biggest wrestling event of all time. I don't hate bringing a story to feud over there. I hate Zack Sabre Jr. being not on that card. Like, that feels like an omission. And I know we put the the Stan in ZSJ. Like, that S stands for Stan. It's SP3 and me. But, like, a lot of other people were, like, noticeably absent from the card is Zack Sabre Jr. And I couldn't agree more. Especially when you had a two-hour pre-show with mostly video packages. What are we doing? So... Felt like a noticeable absence. I don't know if they didn't like that he said I'm not signing there or what the deal was, but it uh, feels like a swing and a miss. Now, I still hope they pay this off. I I think that the tag angle that they built out with Samoa Joe and this TV title for TV title angle was so well done. It came at the end of a 19-match episode where I was so tired and had no interest in seeing anything because there were no title defenses. And they blew me away with everything that they built out in that tag match. I've talked about it on Twitter a lot of just, this is how you do can you coexist tag story angles because they're too smart to let it cost them the victory.
but they don't like where each other are at, but they're going to work together to get it done. So there's just so many brilliant flavors in that. That is like a textbook example of how you should do a can they coexist angle without making your teams look stupid, which we unfortunately see a lot. So I'm with you. I want that TV title for TV title matchup. Great stuff here uh, to open us up. Kind of made the rest of the show go like this a little bit, but that's all right. We still got to see it, which was great. I do think the DSJ 12th title defense, my God, like what can we even say about this reign? It's been fantastic. What it's done for this chapter of his career, what it's done for the overarching stories with like Jeff Cobb, what it did um, from a match by match moment, move by move moment with this guy and establishing this title, the first ever New Japan television champion, much better wrestler than this belt looks. I got to say, uh, like, really, really, uh, really good stuff. If you, I can't argue if you call him wrestler of the year in your book. Like I said, the most consistent guy this year, because like you said, Will Ospreay is probably the biggest person who will probably compete with him as far as like in-ring quality. But Will had two months off because of that injury in March. So that's why I give Zach, I'll say he's been the most consistent the most consistent, and like you said, the the story with Jeff Cobb that was great. His story, I feel like his matches with Shoto Amino took show, Shooter to a next level, yeah. where he's been really showing that he's improved against Kazuko Okada in that feud. So yeah, he's done so much great work up and down, and this is how you make a new title. Whoever beats Zack Saber Jr. for this title is gonna be a made man. And that's what that's what great about I think AEW and New Japan, the best two things they've done in 2023 is show the world how to make new championships with the NJPW World Television Championship with Zack Sabre Jr. and the international title with Orange Cassidy. I agree. And I say it all the time that when New Japan is doing what it does best, it's its own best recruitment tool. I think it is incredible how many different types of stories we've gotten to see Zack Sabre Jr. tell, especially with a time limit draw belt. Like the diversity of the stories that he tells every time he's out there is truly, truly incredible. And tonight was super fun. We knew it was going to be Metalik. We're spending all this time on ZSJ. He's fantastic. Metalik. Not exactly a slouch either. One of the top luchadors in the world. We get to see a lot of great lucha wrestling on ROH and AEW, obviously. But Metalik, even in that elite tier, I think is at the top of that elite tier. Like he's he's just really, really skilled. And he is so in control of his lucha style that I always feel like all the stories with him are a little bit more cohesive than we can kind of see with a lot of luchadors where I feel like we can get moves for moves sake sometimes. Not with Metalik. He knows exactly how he's utilizing those moves to put together a more cohesive match. Throw him in there with a tech or you got magic. You got magic. So good stuff. There's a reason we spent the majority of that talking about this, <laughs> this match because we don't have a lot more to say. But we do have more Super Chats and Humper Chats that came in from you guys. Thank you so much. Matthew Plus just reiterating how great I look. He definitely didn't send in uh, an insult as I predicted, but just really telling me that I'm basically the most beautiful woman in podcasting. So thank you so much for the compliments here. Really appreciate it. Now here's what I call a swing and a miss. Why was this a squash? Why do you have Josh Woods and John Walters in a squash? I don't like that. Josh Woods coming out with smart Mark Sterling again, for some reason. Don't like that either. Uh, Always looks great in the ring. Don't get me wrong. We get, Woods locking in a standing scorpion, which is just 
so nasty. I absolutely adore that. Um, but at the same token, this guy is like showing out every week. He's moving up the pure division card. He's going to face Shibata, obviously, again. Like, I'm sure it's because of the taping schedule, but like, tape another week and do this. <laughs> like, why, why are we having Josh Woods not show out? Putting Josh Woods in a ring and not having him show out is like, I don't know. I can't think of a compare. Like, if you go to your favorite restaurant and they're like, here's this amazing dish and it's one bite. Like, it, it just feels so, so unfair. When I saw this on the card, I was like, all right, we're getting ZSJ. We're getting Josh Woods. This is a Kate episode. And then they were like, it is two minutes long. Why? Why? And why are we back with Smart Mark? I'm going to. Real quick recap the backstage that we get, which I think was actually a pretty good backstage. And then I'll let you talk about both things here, SP3. But Josh mm -hmm. Woods, basically back there with Smart Mark, and Smart Mark says, hey, you asked for something different, and I gave you something different. I found all this talent. You faced your former uh, mentor and beat him. I, I actually like this from Smart Mark. It's way more grounded than he usually is, but I just don't understand why we're giving Josh Woods a manager. Like, I've heard his promos. He's perfectly fine. And you don't really need to be a good promo in the pure division, especially. It makes no sense. His yeah. in-ring storytelling is so great. I just don't understand why we're pairing him with Smart Mark, of all people. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me, especially when we had, like, this amicable split. Now I guess we're revisiting it? Well, basically, it's, it's more – it sounds like it's, like – still, Smart Mark is trying to convince Woods that he, it's his right role is to be with him, and he's going to get him back to the Pure Championship, uh, back to a match with Shibata, and then – We'll see if he if he wins. Maybe that's him and Smart Mark are on good ground, and they'll be good from here on out. They won't tease anything going further. If he loses, maybe we get the official split of everything. But right now, it does feel like they are building Josh Woods for that championship matchup. Whereas the first time he got the match with Shibata, he won one match, and then they just gave him a match with Shibata. Like that—that's what it was basically, because he won the one match on the zero-hour pre-show for Death Before Dishonor, one match where Shibata was the judge for the pure matchup, and then he just challenged them. So it was no build-up. This actually feels like they have a story that they're trying to tell, and. That's why it's one of one of my more favorite things of the show because it's actual direction, which seems like a rarity on this show. So I was just like, okay, I'm I'm here for it. I've liked Josh Woods since the first uh, Ring of Honor run, especially his tag Fantastic. team with Silas Young. Love that and how they were able to like establish him there. And I've loved his work. You know, him winning the the Pure Championship from Jonathan Gresham, ending Gresham's great run and stuff like that. So. I like Josh Woods, and I'm willing to see where they go here. I do agree with you. When you have someone like John Walters, who's like a pure pioneer for Ring of Honor, you have to give them at least five minutes. Like, what's what type of pyramid? I didn't even know. Did they even say who the judges were? Were this was this even a pyramid? Oh my God, I don't even. I don't think it. I don't think it was. <laughs> Because it doesn't it say normally I put that in my my notes. I don't think this was a pure match. Maybe they'll run it back. That could be something cool to do. Uh it it better not have been because I get really annoyed when they do pure matches and then none of the rules come into play. I'm like, well, why is it stipulated as such then? It makes no sense. So 
Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think Josh Woods has been one of the best breakout things. I think a lot of people are finding out what he can do. His like finishing sequence when he does the Lockwoods into the chaos theory is like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite sequences that you can kind of put together. I just feel like of all things, the pure division is the thing that is its own story. Like you don't, if he was just even in regular competition, if he was just going after the world or the TV title, you can kind of see it more with smart Mark, but like, that's what's so great about the pure division is it is the story. The rules are the story. The in rings, the story. So not so into that, but I'm into nice comments like this. Okay. I'm into nice comments that say, if you're here live in the chat, remember to like the video and tell Kate she's pretty. You can do that after you can tell me I'm pretty, whatever you want, like truly. Um, but if you're going to do that, we prefer you send in money to tell me I'm pretty. It's, it's just preferred. Oh. And also then when people are mean to me on the internet, I'm like, people literally send in money to tell me how pretty I am. Like, there's nothing that you can say that's going to like be make me shakeable in any way, shape or form. So do that so that I can be telling the truth when I tell people that. But it's just a nice flex. It's a nice flex I get to have in my back pocket. But look at Kate also- letting, letting other people's negative words fly off her like a real world champion. Here's the thing, SP. <laughs> The dumb comments never come from anybody who have any quality to them whatsoever. It's always from weird people that are jealous. And they should be. Because you know what my job is? I get paid to talk about wrestling at the biggest wrestling media platform in the world. You should be jealous of me. It's ridiculous that I get paid to do this. Don't tell Sean that. Tell him to double my pay. Um, but I agree. I said it on like, Twitter. Kate's too good for this community. We're yeah. lucky to have her. Thank you. But I'm just saying, like, there's nothing you can say. I get paid to talk about wrestling. Like, what are you going to say to me? Please. Say whatever you want, because I don't care. I get paid to talk about wrestling. We go backstage with Lexi Nair, and boy, oh boy, do I not like what they're doing with Cole Carter and Marie Kanellis. What? The effing S. We got Lexi Nair asking Carter what he said to Griff Garrison last week. Uh, Carter said that Canellis wanted to give Garrison an opportunity with Maria Canellis saying that it would be good for Carter and Garrison to team up. I disagree, Maria Canellis. And Cole Carter, who has a crush on Maria Canellis, duh, that makes sense. If you're a living, breathing human being, I don't understand how you don't, okay? I'm a straight woman and I would marry her tomorrow. My God, okay? Respectfully. But, like, no to all of this. <laughs> like, awesome. He's like, no. escort me to the ring. I'm cool guy. Like, first of all, you're not cool guy. Whatever archetype they're trying to have you fit into, this, this ain't it. Like, no, 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 no. Also, no. Like, no to Cougar Maria Canella's recruiter gal. Like, I, I don't like that at all. Um, especially when, like, the whole world knows she's married to Mike Bennett. So it's it was already in the stable. It's just very it's a no for me. Simon Cowell, it's a no for me. Like I, I, there's nothing I like about this. And there I also haven't seen I hate doing this week over week because I I truly feel like Cole Carter is gonna be great someday. Like he's a young growing talent, he's finding his footing. I don't like to criticize people in a blanket way. Um, But I don't think he's found what makes him great yet. I think he's still finding it. And so for Maria to be looking at him and be like, that guy has it and I need him to join my stable doesn't feel like a fit. Now, 
in reality, that's something that should work, right? Like if you're with a manager, they can pull the best out of you. I think we're still a little behind that curve. Like you have to be a little bit closer to that side of things for that to work. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just feel like this is a miss on both sides, but this it's, it feels very cringy to me to have this Cole Carter hitting on Maria Canellis puppy dog thing. Uh, any thoughts on this backstage? That was also poorly edited to the point where Lexi Nair was like, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> it was good stuff. 12 days. Couldn't edit it out. Your thoughts? Esther? I mean, I, I, I like the fact with AEW, you can kind of see certain people and who they're studying. Like you could see that MJF watches a lot of like Roddy Roddy Piper stuff. And you can even notice, you can even notice like nowadays, now that he's a baby face, he's probably watching 1992 Roddy Roddy Piper. <laughs> I oh, I've sure. noticed that. No I've doubt. noticed that about him as well. 100%. Uh Eddie Kingston, he's basically just the New York version of June Kasai. Like that's <laughs> all he really that's all he's he really you. Is. He's like, go watch Kawada. Go. Kawada, June Kasai in his head. Go watch head. all the that's four pillars his... of heaven right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's his head cannon right there. Moxley, you can see a little bit of like your Austin, your Terry Funks with him. With Cole Carter, I feel Don't like he's it. watching 2019 Austin Theory. That's what Red like says. I think that's the person he's studying. He's Red studying every week. He studies. He studies NXT Austin Theory, and he's like, "Yeah, this, yeah, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> that's my thing. Yeah, this is gonna work for me, and it's not." He's just you, when you when you are you and Red are never getting on the same stream again because everything that we said nice about Zack Saber Jr. You two are just gonna say mean about Cole Carter, so that's never happening again. You're never subbing in for me. Like, like <laughs> seriously though, like seriously though, this man is a dollar value Austin Theory. Like he is. He is. He's trying to do Austin Theory's act, but he's really bad at it. Like. Like, I don't think Austin Theory's even good at it anymore. No, so. at least, but at least Theory, at least Theory, he's playing himself. He's playing himself, trying, and he's failing. <laughs> but this man is trying to try out something of someone that already failed at it. <laughs> he doesn't know, and he's failing. It does not make any sense. Why this is going on, but the character just screams theory. It's it's even worse. It screams Sean Stasiak. It screams meat. Oh, he is yeah. meat. And Maria is PMS. <laughs> I mean, that's all I saw during that segment. I was just like, Jesus. I didn't... I, I thought he had potential, too. Until I saw that promo. Shoot. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. He does defeat Justin Jackson. We can talk about this match. Another squash, which is also frustrating. He hits the Eye of the Beholder DDT looking thing for the win. I don't know if it has a real name. Looks like a variant of that of some sort. Uh, but he that did, is... I think commentary said match. it's the Eye of the Beholder is the name of it. That is yeah. the name of it. Okay. Yeah. It's a DDT. It works. Um... Hoping they, they find something else with him. I, I I don't like coming on here and doing that. But, like, realistically, that's what's kind of weird about ROH, right, is we have 
some of the best wrestlers in the whole wide world. And then we have people that this is going to be developmental for. So you're going to get kind of like both ends of where people are at. So, uh, yeah, I learned today that you and Reg are not allowed to review Cole Carter matches together. Separate is fine, but you together. know what it also reminds me of 2016 Kona Reeves. That I definitely see. That I definitely <laughs> see. And by the way, it's not you, it's what you would bring out of Reg. So I just I can't, I can't allow that. <laughs> I can't even oh, control have- Reg with this. It's a great time with me and Reg. No, 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 it is. It is. Actually, the only ROH stream that I missed since the reboot and we started doing these was you filling in for me because I was at my cousin's wedding. So thank you for doing that. That was awesome to watch. I appreciated it. But Albert Pont saying Josh Woods continuing to go after the pure title and Maria recruiting young talent were a few bright spots that featured ongoing storylines. Yes. So even though I don't like the story, there are a few things that I do like, which is I trust Maria Canellas very much. She has proven time and time again how valuable she is. She's a great mind for this business. She always plays her role very, very well on screen. So that much I trust, even if I don't like this cougar-esque aspect to it. It's not for me, but I trust her. And I do appreciate that they're investing in someone and they're putting the work in to tell some stories. Now, the bar should not be that low that this is a bright spot, but... This was also an off-kilter episode, right? So we do what we can, but we get something that I very much liked, but I'm still a little confused by, but I very much liked it. Lee Moriarty and the workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, defeating who? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Beef! There it is! Beef! <laughs> Cash and Lord crew. My God. This ends with the workhorsemen getting the win with a foot stomp from Henry and a moonsault from Drake, who I don't even know. I don't even know how that guy does that. But a spot in here that I really liked was that blind tag DDT spot with JD Drake, too. I, I love it. I love the workhorsemen, man. I really do. And I love Lee Moriarty. I'm confused by this trio. I feel like Lee Moriarty is the perfect person to be working either title adjacent or in that like tv title area until you're ready to give him 
a full title shot. And the workhorsemen to me just, oh, they scream NWA 80s old school ass kickers. Now the the offset is great because they're so different stylistically that when you fold that all into a trio, your opponents have no idea how to prepare for you because you're facing Anthony Henry, who's like just this strong, strapping fit dude, J.D. Drake, who should not move as well for the size that he is like unbelievably explosive. Those chops, I can feel them from here. My God. And then you have Lee Moriarty, who's like one of the most acrobatic athletic dudes I've ever seen with an incredibly strong fundamental ground base for professional wrestling. So that is a trio I like, but just like the presentation wise, I don't know if you can make it gel. And quite frankly, I really want to work horseman versus FTR match. Just put me back. In 1984, NWA, please. Like, I am dying for that. I was rooting for the workhorsemen to be on my screen for a long time. I'm glad they're at least on this screen. But, like, if you need an in-between pay-per-view tag program, my God, give me FTR in this, please. Like, they're so, so great. They're working the same circuit because they're both on collision. Like, it's it's screaming for it. It's screaming for it. So, they're just so... uh both teams in that are such like a moment in time. I, I just need to see it. But this match was a whole bunch of fun. Beef even got beef chance. You can't complain about that, right? But this was one of the stronger things on the show to me, even though there's not a story here. I just, I thought it was a great six man SP3. Yeah, I thought it was solid work from everybody involved. I thought beef was going to do a 450. When he was standing on the ropes, <laughs> when he did like this, I was like, yo, is I've this man about to do a 450? This would be the greatest moment in Ring of Honor history. <laughs> he did a, a beefy 450. I want to say I'm a huge fan of the workhorseman. It's not just because Anthony Henry is very talented. He's hard hitting. He's technical base. JD Drake. I've never seen a wrestler who sometimes in one match will make me think that he's like a second cousin of Gunther. And then in another instant when he's doing the no laughing matter, I'm like, did Hugh Morris have a baby that's more athletic than him? Like, it's like that. I love these guys. But most of all, I love the fact that they know once you go black, you never go back. They went from Shane Taylor to Lee Moriarty. We need the dream trio of Darius Martin and the Workhorsemen because they are they are three people that always seem to be teamed up with black people. So I love them. I want them yeah. paired together. Darius Martin Dude. can never can never be in any tag team or trio <laughs> unless it's with light-skinned people and the Workhorsemen can only team up with black people. So pair them together. Token from South Park is going to walk right into this picture. I swear to God. It's just top flight and another hey, black guy every single it's, time. It, it's not token. It's Tolkien. Tolkien. Of He's course. That's the J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> of course. What was I saying? My God. But really, really good stuff here. I like this. I don't hate the trio. I just don't know how we meld it together. And I also don't know if this is like sticking around in that sense. So... I want them to. I just, I really just want clarity in my Ring of Honor SP3, and I don't think it's too much to ask for. But I'll tell I you feel what. Bad we... for everybody that was in the firm. Am I the only one? Because everybody, everybody that was in the firm just seemed. Uh, we got Stokely Hathaway behind a paywall. He should be on Dynamite every week. 
We got Lee Moriarty trying to find random tag team partners when it seemed like he was going to be with Big Bill after the firm broke up. But then Big Bill was randomly drawn into a tag team with Brian Cage. But now he's not teaming with Brian Cage because Brian Cage is in Mogul Embassy. So what's Lee Moriarty doing? What's Big Bill doing? I'm so confused. Why did they break up the firm? It was a it was a team that did not match together, but it worked. I don't know where Ethan Page is right now. I don't like to when people are off screen too. I, I try not to speculate because you just not everybody's health issues are for us. Not everybody's personal issues are for us. Um, so I don't want to ever judge in that way. But if he is healthy and he is cleared and he is ready to work, I don't know what you're not doing with Ethan Page kind of blows my mind. Like him and Wardlow, I'm, I'm so confused. Uh, I agree with you on Stokely. I like the role he's playing. Obviously, an in-ring legend we saw with Samoa Joe, but to me, he's the best manager in wrestling, and I don't know why he's not being utilized. I've I said for a long time, like, Stokely and Will Hobbs, to me, could be like modern-day Gary Hart mm. stuff. And Gary Hart, to me, is like probably the most underrated manager and one of my favorites. Like that guy was just the best. Like that feels like that kind of duo that you could have that type of run with. So I'm not sure, man. I don't know what happened with the firm, but they're gone. There they are. They did officially break up, but like, let's reorganize the pieces. You know, just give them a role that I could be confident in. But I love that shout, Kate, of uh, of Powerhouse Hobbs with Stokely Hathaway. I would think more of it's like uh, this generation's Teddy Long with Butch Reed. Like, oh, that, yeah. That's yeah. what that feels like. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I dig it. And I dig Super Chats and Humper Chats. Please feel free to send in Super Chats and Humper Chats if you want to get your question or statement right on there. We'll also take a brief moment to remind you to subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We're plug-heavy because we had an extra half hour to talk about an hour less of show that we filled (laughs) earlier at the beginning of this broadcast. So feel free to go back and, and watch our thoughts kind of on the ROH content that's leading to All Out, some of the implications from All In that came back the other way. Just our overall thoughts on the product, too, of certain pain points, things that we think were being done a little bit more completely earlier in the, the ROH reboot. We have some general talk, but after SP3 and I, we've got your Impact Post Show coming in on the back end here. Sonata working there. So we got your TV champion over here. You got your world champion working Impact alongside Jake something. Good, good stuff. Love seeing the New Japan talent make its imprint on American television. American television is better for it, quite frankly. So Cresta and Joel will be guiding you through that. Impact's had a lot going on themselves. You had uh, Deanna and Trinity main eventing. I got to go to the Impact Multiverse show that was in Philly. That was fantastic, too. That women's four-way was unbelievable. Really, 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 really cool stuff happening. If you don't get to see Julia live, you're going to regret it. That woman is... There's some wrestlers, man, when you see them live, it's just a different experience. She's got that whatever that live thing is. She's she's full of it. Yeah. Like extra whatever. And all the top stars in stardom have that because I was at the GCW event in New York when Yatami Hayashita was there. And that that's what like that just felt like the aura. Like, oh, this whole boss is here. This boss, the boss just so showed up. Like, that's what it is. And I, I was regretting that I didn't make that trip to Philly to see Julia live. I, I need to do that in my life. <laughs> Could have come and hung out with me. And I know you didn't tell me. I didn't find out until you know you already left. So you know, 
I'm just in New York. You know, I could have got on Mega Bus, but that's a four hour ride by <laughs> Ew, myself. No, I'll pick you up, dude. I'm not making you take a Mega Bus to Philly. It's bad enough we have to go to Philly already. My God, but. This is true, but that's what I used to do with those Ring of Honor shows. Like, okay, but now uh, we're grown ups, okay? And this I can is true. Pick you up in Secaucus. We're not doing that, all right? <laughs> but I'll tell you what we are doing. We're going to talk to Emmy Sakura defeating Alice Crowley. Nice to see Emmy here. I did feel like it was a little weird that Soraya got We Will Rock You at Wembley, but it's kind of like an Emmy thing. So it was kind of fun to see her getting the. The claps on today, but a really, really strong match. She's what do you say? She's an in-ring legend. She wins with the Imperial Backbreaker here against Alice Crowley, who looked good in this too. She did. Um, but this was an Emmy showcase. I wish she was sticking around the division. I'm assuming this was just the who's in the back kind of episode altogether. So I don't know if we should expect to see more from her. This might have been a response to a lot of people being bummed that she wasn't at all in. I don't know. Uh, but I'm always happy to see Emmy Sakura on our screen. Commentary, I gotta say, like, these episodes, I mean, this one was only an hour, these average to below average episodes would be unwatchable if it didn't have Caprice in. Like, it would be so much more of a chore if you didn't have the best commentary team putting full effort into their job behind all of this, because they make everything feel so important, including, like, all of the legendary status of Emi Sakura and this came through. They talked about her training Sheeta. They talked about her contributions to wrestling so beautifully and so like reverently, just really, really nice to see. And they really just are the best soundtrack that you can have. Like those guys make these more chaotic episodes so much more fluid just by being great at their jobs. So good stuff here. Any thoughts on Emi Sakura and uh, Alice Crowley? I feel like Emmy Sakura pulled up on Tony Khan and Gorilla when she heard uh, Soraya came out to Queen, We Will Rock You, <laughs> and just looked at him like, really? And Tony was like, you, you, you're booked on, on Wednesday. You're booked on Thursday. We're booking you all week. You'll be on TV all week. Don't worry, Emmy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And now we got Emmy Sakura on Wednesday Night Dynamite. We had her here on Thursday getting a quick win. I'm glad to see Emmy. She's always been one of my favorites from this uh, AEW Women's Division since the very beginning. Go back and watch that Full Gear 2019 matchup with her and Riho. I still go back and watch that. That's a low-key banger because not a lot of you was talking about it at the time, but it still hits well. So Emmy Sakura and her matchup with Jamie Hayter this year is one of the best women's matches. So period. good. Period. <laughs> period. So that good. I've seen all year. So Emmy Sakura deserves more opportunities. I want to see her in there more and just let her work programs. Like we got uh, Drippy in the chat who's saying her and Trisha Dora, her and Billy Starks, her and Sky Blue, like work some programs with these younger ladies that you are trying to get up because the resume of great women that she has trained, it seems like a no brainer that I would have every woman I'm trying to develop against Emmy Sakura. Yeah, especially the ones that she is coaching, right? Like, I love those stories of coach or mentor versus student. Like, those always end up being really great stories when they're told well. And I love the idea of Emmy and Trish because Trish also went to the New Japan Dojo, too. So they kind of have, like, that stylistic connection and the same holding company, right? So I really, really like that idea. I also just want to see Trish and Dora on our screen. Now, we do have to call out the fact that, like, this whole episode was very scattered so we didn't really see anybody of super importance but that was never more true than the women's division and i just thought it was the funniest rib in the world that we had sp3 
coming in clutch, filling in at the last minute here, and we don't get Athena, the fallen like goddess. Like, like, does does Tony Khan realize Athena waits for my tweet every Thursday? Yeah. Every Thursday, it's her you birthday. You see the same tweet from me, and this would have this would have been a happy birthday tweet as well. Oh my god. Every Thursday, I put one tweet out consistently the same. Your fallen goddess and our ring of honor, women's world champion, Athena, is on our TV screens. Praise her. Stand up, minions. Every single week. Same thing. Would have added the happy birthday at the end. And I'm on here. I'm watching the show. You're on here today. No, no Athena on her birthday. We couldn't even get a pre-tape promo, Kate. I don't need, I just need her, I just need her around. She doesn't even have to say anything. She just needs to come in, forearm somebody, and leave. That's all I need. That's I all just I wanted need. To, I just wanted to talk to Lexi, your bestie. I just wanted to talk they're to best her. They're best friends. Yeah, okay. they're best friends. And maybe she her and Billy Starks are, we don't really know. But she gets her sour apple, green apple Skittles all the time. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's some bestie stuff, if I ever heard it. And we talked about CSJ's title reign. We talked about Orange Cassidy's title reign. Athena's is right there, man, of the most productive title reigns in wrestling. The three of them and Gunther and WWE, they are the title reigns that have been the difference makers. Roman Reigns is, I get it. If you like cinema, I like frequent title defenses more than I like cinema. I like that titles can get used in all these ways, realistically. I actually think that's a very, very cool thing is that you have such a range of it. But like, when you think of MVP most valuable title reigns, Athena's comes right to mind because it has been not only the anchor of the women's division, but the anchor of the show. Uh, I'm really excited to see these pieces starting to fill in with Diamante and Layla Hirsch and Kira Hogan had some really good storytelling and Trisha Dora is going to be back on track. Billy Starks, obviously. So it's kind of feeling like we're getting so much more forming around it, but like what a lost product entirely without Athena showing up every single week. If she is not on All In, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to complain about it on the internet. Do it. I I'm going to start an Athena chant in the building at yes. United Center. going to start do. an Athena chant because she should be Please on the card. Do. I know Billy Starks is apparently injured and they're, starting, they're waiting to see if she cleared, but please add it to Zero Hour. Just please. Just, Just please. Give her something. I'll tell you what, we need more than 14 minutes of women's wrestling per six hours. Because that's what we got at Wembley. I had I had two very simple requests. Okay? Multiple women's matches. ZSJ. Rest of the card's perfect. Rest of the card's perfect. You had a two-hour, zero-hour. You had zero hours. Okay? <laughs> you, we had, a... you had zero matches in that first zero hour. <laughs> My goodness. We do get some love coming in from Greg Cherry, who is just the best. If you're not following Greg Cherry online, recommend you do and check out his content. He's so wonderful and so supportive in our space. But he sent in a chat just saying, show love for women's wrestling. Also, good to see two of my favorite people in this space doing a show together. Well, thank you, Greg. He's the best. Thank you, Greg. You're awesome. I'm very lucky to be surrounded by like a lot of really good dudes in the space. I was thinking about that yesterday. Like for all the for all the dickheads that are out there and there are. My circle's got some really great fellas in it. I'm very, very lucky that I get to feel extremely wonderful and safe with the people I work with at Fightful, outside of Fightful. 
I got Luis moderating, keeping me safe so that all of Matthew Trolls tweets coming in. I said Matthew Trolls, but it's Matthew Plus. Who's trolling? I changed his name to something more accurate and better, okay? I do what I want with those tweets because Luis is the GOAT. So thank you to the kind fellas. Thanks for supporting women's wrestling with your chat. We throw support yes. right back at you. We adore you. Um, Are we trying to make the SAP a thing? Because what, what are we doing here? I was like, yo, I was I, I thought I thought I was seeing double. This was jobber inception. Oh my god. I was like, I was like, yo, it's the SAP versus you know T, T, Team Ziggy Dice, the outrunners. Oh man, this is crazy. It's it's like they put Ziggy Dice in the, the Urkel transformation chamber, but it was the clone <laughs> one by accident, and it came out with two other ones, and the outrunners in the <laughs> We hear Bruce Lee Urkel and my God. <laughs> Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd are their names, the Outrunners. Ziggy Dice is a good shout. These guys feel like they walked out of the 80s. Super, super fun. No, I, I really like them. I love them. I love them. You're not I, I, you're not wrong. You're not wrong that Ziggy Dice might have cloned himself and they both stepped into the Urkel later. I'm just you're not wrong. Neither of these guys are like Stefan, though, I gotta say. Didn't like do the, the flippity flop, but it's true. Here's what I do like I love the finish. I love Angelica's hammerlock leg crab, whatever that was, was awesome. Um, very, very cool. I think Angelico's great, actually, and I don't really understand why he's with the rest of the SCP. Are they trying to make her him and Serpentico a thing, or is this just a fun one-off i actually thought the match was really fun yep. but neither of these teams are in the roh tag team division and when they are both teams are just taking pins all the time so what the hell man <laughs> i was just in there after i got over the the jobber inception uh of it all <laughs> i was just like man i remember when angelico was like one of the breakout stars of lucha underground when he jumped off the house, that, that that little that little office in the in the in that place, and, uh, and won the trios titles with Son of Havoc and Ivalice. I still remember that. That's one of the vivid memories I have from Lucha Lucha Underground. And I and remember there's a lot of vivid memories of Lucha Underground. That project was <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> and and uh, Angelico, I remember him and Jack Evans in the early part of AEW with TH2. So I was just like, when he's here in this position, I'm just like, man, he deserves better. He deserves sure. better than this. He can be having great tecker matches with Zack Sabre Jr. You could put him out there. He can have a high flying match with Ray Phoenix. Like, do something more with him. He doesn't need to be with Serpentico and and the SAP, but. Hey, if they're if they're gonna do something with this and this win tonight is the start of something, maybe position them as a potential challenger for tag team gold. I don't know, but if we're going somewhere, if this is the start of it, I'm here for it because I do think Serpentico and Angelico are talented. But I did feel like the Outrunners should have won this one because the Outrunners feel more like a tag team that we can do something with in the future, and the Outrunners. Versus better than you, baby. Book oh, it. Touché. Book it. Come on. Touche. Our moderator, Luis, saying that Outrunners reminds him of blonde clones of Johnny Swinger. <laughs> that, <laughs> Which is a good call. That's a good shout. I actually agree with you on that. Outrunners probably should have won this because 
they feel like a contending team that took some losses where Serpentico feels like that is the joke, right? Like he, when he's in there with Luther, he literally gets heaved at people. Like doesn't feel like they're contenders, which is why I don't understand why Jack Evans is kind of like with, or Angelico is kind of with them. Cause it feels like there is a pretty high ceiling for that guy. If you let him work. So I'm with you. I don't have any faith that any of that is going anywhere. This whole episode was lost in the mud, but we do get Marina Shafir defeating Angelica or Angelica Risk, depending on which commentator you listen to. Um, my apologies to her for whichever one of those pronunciations was wrong. Ian said it differently than the ring announcer. My bad. Um, I don't like to define women by their husbands, SP3, but we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the perseverance of Marina Shafir to go out there knowing, you know, it was on her mind. There's no way that Roddy Strong's neck health is not on her mind because someone's got to care about his neck health in this world. SP three. And we know it's not Adam Cole. We know his friends, Mike and Matt care, but like Marina Shafir has got to be distracted. I was very impressed by her performance for a lot of reasons, but knowing she was able to get this win when the whole time she's walking down there, she's taking off her socks to get ready to throw in the crowd. You know, she's just like my husband's neck health. My poor husband's neck. He has to wear his neck brace in the shower or when he's sleeping, weddings, funerals. He's got to wear the neck brace. So uh, just kudos to her for being a professional in the face of this adversity. I said this before. If you're going to throw your socks into the crowd, if you're going to unveil your feet, you can be charging money for that, Marina Shapiro. There's people that will pay you very well. So I would just recommend cash again if you're going to do that. Uh, but this was an encouraging match to see, sincerely. She wins with the triangle choke. She's still putting the pieces of this stuff together a little bit, I think. But because of the style and because of her presentation and the violent athlete that's in there, when you do see these things come together, it's really rewarding. Like, it's going to pay off, I think, pretty mightily as we see her continue to progress. She needs reps. These women need reps. And ROH is a great place to go get them. Shame on the editing team for not editing out some of the chants and turning the volume down with the Ronda Rousey chant shit. Like, that really bothered me. Uh, but, and I I mean, it's justifiable to leave, like, trolling chants in, but just felt like a, a swing and a miss on their part with this match and how vulnerable the division is already. So I, I thought this was pretty good. I thought Angelica Risk looked good in this too, but I like her winning with the triangle choke. I like her leaning into this style more and more progress as, as the road goes on for her. What were your thoughts here? I've been really been liking Marina Shafir ever since I saw her in blood sport. I feel like that, that type of style fits her so well. And she comes off a tell so much better than she did in WWE or even what she does in AEW. But this is one of the rare times where I thought she looked really good. She looked dominant. The fact that her triangle choke had her, had a wrist with her knee on her chin basically. Yes. That was just great. I was loving that, that visual. And I was thinking she probably does that to help, you know, the rehab of Roddy. Like that's probably oh how God, she you're right. helps that's how she learned that. The, the neck exercise. And now she's using it in the ring. This is how you be a productive woman, a productive mother, a productive partner, ladies and she gentlemen. She's tuned in. Marina Shafir. That's 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 wifey goals right there. That's wifey goals that helping helping you and then using it in the ring. She's a dual threat. She is. And let's just say, I, I'm pretty sure Marina Shafir told Roddy a long time ago 
Stop messing around with that Adam Cole. He's not a good friend. He's a bad friend yeah. that doesn't care about your neck health. Adam. Yeah, Adam. <laughs> Adam. What happened, with my <laughs> what happened with my iconic lip gloss? What's going on? <laughs> Everyone thinks Sean does coke because he blows his nose on air. People are going to be like, what is this girl? She's a mess. She's like going like this under her nose. She's touching her nose too much, guys. That's right. Booger sugar all day. You know what's funny? I got I got a very nice complimentary tweet about yeah. my lip gloss. Someone was like, oh my god, iconic. And I was like, gotta be honest, it's just like the only one I have left. I don't have any other colors right now. Haven't been to Ulta in a while. Not like trying to make a trademark. I just have one other lipstick and it doesn't look great on camera. So that's what it is. But good stuff here. You case, are right. Case like, case like, this just regular me. <laughs> uh, it's just like, it's like my day to night look. You know what I mean? It just, it's just like my nice little like transition from sitting in front of a computer working to sitting in front of a computer talking about wrestling. It's just like freshening it up. <laughs> levels to this. There's levels. There to is. This. There is very encouraging stuff out of Marina Shapiro for real though. We do love to see this. Like there's been a lot of progress here, and I like her using the triangle choke. Like I like what Danielson does too, and I feel like she can develop into a wrestler that has multiple finishers like that. And I love when wrestlers do because. It makes every pinfall more exciting because if you just have your one go home move, we know that the end of the match is coming. But if you have like five of them, the end of the match could be coming at any time. So I like it when people have an arsenal of weapons. I think she could really get there and, and develop that. But encouraging stuff, encouraging stuff from her tonight. Well, it's time for our main event. If you believe the main event wasn't kicked off the show, I guess. Your ROH six-man tag team match. Brian Cage is here for this one, which is nice. You got the Mogul Embassy with Bishop Khan and Toa Leona, who are great. And, of course, Prince Nana. Okay? I like techers, and I like dancers. I got both tonight. I'm very happy camper. That's why I love Daniel Garcia so much. I like get both in one guy. It's incredible. But we get, we get Prince Nana with these guys. Good stuff. Uh, and they take on... Top flight with another black guy, as we talked about before. <laughs> Actually, Team Lightskin. Team Lightskin, <laughs> let's go. I feel like I can call it out to an extent. You can call it out proper. Okay, I've got, <laughs> I can say some things. I'm going to skirt the others. Hey, you can you hey, can say we, whatever you need to say. We all got our roles. I would roll, roll with Kate <laughs> anywhere because she got the complexion for the protection. And I'm here to point out Team light skin was in the main event. You and Red really got to do more shows together between your Austin Theory Cole Carter comparisons and both of you being like, it's just another light skin guy uh, in this mix. That's what, when Action and Dreddy came into the picture, Red was like, did they just take someone who was like, oh, he kind of looks like Darius? And now this has just become a thing. Like, it's a running gag week over week. They, they uh, went around to every light-skinned black person like, is your mom white? Okay, we got to move on to the next one. Um, <laughs> your dad white. <laughs> the way you moved on, I'm dead. God. Oh, my God. got to move on. So you, jo Lee Johnson. Like... <laughs> oh, Lee Johnson? That sounds very Ooh. white. Uh... Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, you got a white girlfriend? <laughs> Come on down! Come on down! <laughs> and, then, and then Action 
Russian in Darius met him, and they was like, man, we've been hanging out with this guy that looked like a drug dealer named A.R. Fox. You're perfect. You fit right in. Come on. <laughs> My God. I don't want to talk about the match. That was too funny. What are we going to say about this match? That was better than everything you just said. That's it. What are you going to... There's no build to this. There was kind of a build to this. I shouldn't say there was no build. There's kind of a build. But most of the time we see Khan and Leona, we don't even get to see Brian Cage. They've been wrestling tag matches for the most part. So nice to see Brian Cage back in the mix here. They got a... I think they figured out what they want to do with him. Yeah, they have to figure out where he's doing it and how. Because he's kind of split in time between both programs. You can get away with it because it's the same faction, right? This is the Mogul Embassy. Um, but they also, I think, felt like him and Big Bill were doing some really fun stuff. So let's see where he's going to land on the chessboard because some consistency with that would be nice. We got to build to these six-man belts because they're not doing anything with them. Um, let's make them feel important. They should at least feel more important than a New Japan title on your own show. I'll put it that way. Like, when you have one of the best luchadors in the world and the best technical wrestler in the world, that's going to be hard to beat on any given night. But, like, from a title importance perspective, it doesn't feel like... It shouldn't feel like the New Japan TV title is a more ROH-based title than your own six-man title. That's not good. So, uh, but this match is perfectly suitable. Uh, this was fine. It didn't feel like a main event to me, but Khan and Leona getting back involved in this. They isolate Johnson and they beat him with that pendulum powerbomb that always looks great. These guys are great. Like they're they're very explosive. They're um very very crisp offense for dudes of their size. Like I I really like to see it. Really, really good stuff, but aimless, like very much meandering and, and kind of wandering here. But a good enough main event. I just feel like this card. If you literally reversed the card, I think it would have been <laughs> in, a, we, in a better shape. Yeah. We would be looking at this card totally different if they just flipped everything around. If they opened the show with this, we would just be like, okay, good matchup with the Mogul Embassy. They get another rain under their boat. Uh, Brian Cage moves to 21 straight wins on Ring of Honor television. Gates of Agony moved to 19 straight wins. Decent enough job. Let's move on. But the fact that this is the main event, I'm just left with the fact, like, they are not building anyone for this team because no. the only trio they built up is nowhere near them. So we're just going to keep getting these Challenger of the Month. I feel like their last two was against Team Lightskin. Uh, the last two defenses were against Team Lightskin, basically in different forms, di another another Lightskin dude with, with, with Action Flight. That's all they keep doing. That's all they... That's what they keep doing. Yeah, I don't call them. Oh, they should, call be called, action they should be called flight camera action. That's dope. I'm That's so dope. good at this. Damn it. Flight camera, flight camera action. action is so oh good. my god. Just have Lee Johnson just start coming out with the camera and stuff. If that, that'd be his new gimmick. He just he's just Alex Shelley from the paparazzi production. I was That's just gonna say. Or you could have him like in the as a cameraman gimmick. Like he's just always one of the hidden cameramen. But nobody ever picks up on it. I'm in. I'm in. I'm here that. for it. I'm here for it. But in a vacuum, this was a decent enough uh, matchup. But coming out of it, I'm just like, okay, what did we oh, accomplish here? Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the whole episode. Like, I, it's uh, 
just very clearly thrown off by the collision taping schedule going into Wembley, of course. But we're going to flip it over to your Impact post show pretty soon. I'm very excited to see what they have to say because they got to see Sonata on their show. So very fun stuff. Uh, they had a great past couple of weeks, honestly. Impact is is doing some good work. And I am excited to, to turn it over to them. But before we do... Even, even though Sonata's a fraud, he's not the real champion. <laughs> It's Kazuko Okada. He's still a, he's still my champion. He can't, Sonata can't even be evil. Come on. Well, he can't be evil because evil is forty seven people every time that he's out there. Also so, true. Also he's true. Like, he's like I have handcuffs and eighty guys to come after you. No, Sonata has five. So there's that. But. Evil Dick. Evil Dick has gotten the better of plenty of women, and it got the better of Sonata. Wow. Don't I know that? What? Uh, we're gonna bring up Creston Joel for your impact review. I don't think there's a better note that I could have done, so let's bring on Joel and Cresta. Oh my goodness, what was that? What? I'm so glad you didn't cut to me because the scream I scrumped about evil dick. <laughs> she gets it. She gets it. We've been having a good time here. We <laughs> hey, look, it wasn't the best episode of our week. We had to create our own fun. We got some we got some fun uh some fun jokes at the end yeah. there. We figured out um, how they came up with Team Lightskin. They just went to every light-skinned black person backstage at AEW. (laughs) Yep. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing over here. All they need is Ricky Starks at this point, and that'll be the most... (laughs) That's light-skinned Voltron at that point. I'll manage them. (laughs) He don't got a white girlfriend. They was like, you're you're disqualified. You don't got a white girlfriend. We got to get Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson, come on. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you say he's not turtle enough for the turtle club. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, SB3 talked about evil dick, and all of a sudden, I think we're talking about it. thought this was an episode of FNC, and we're talking big. Blood. We're talking. Um, look, you you came in when you came in, all right? That's, if you missed the context, that's on you. No, no, I'm not going to control our narrative, Joel. Come on, don't be like that. No Canadian destroyers. Stop it. Knock it off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that could be Joel's name. Joel the Canadian destroyer? All day. He can't wait for your name. Destroyer. (laughs) I'm going to destroy Steve Macklin, is what I'm going to do. Yeah. He's back now. You better stop. No, don't. (laughs) I told Story on Overbooked. He blew right by me as I was having a conversation with Tommy Dreamer on Sunday. <laughs> We're like mid-conversation, and Macklin just comes zooming by to take out Josh Alexander. <laughs> Joel, well, there's something behind you. Is that I think that, a name that? that you dropped? I think you dropped a name back there. Oh Tommy. yeah. Oh, uh, Steve Macklin, Tommy Dreamer. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just having a nice combo. Enjoying his Uber Eats, and then the I'm just happy time. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're just, we're just happy we got here. Our wish was 57 minutes long today. We had to start at 8:35. Why, why we were. Why bother? Thank God it was basically a go home to All In because there's so many ROH matches on All In, so we had stuff to talk about. But no, my all, God, All In was last week. 
it's all it's all it's all in it's all, all out our ring all of honor all in i'm very excited for ring of honor all out <laughs> yeah Death of honor all, in. all out on our uh on our out i don't know there's there's something there That's i'm gonna find it for how was how was impact Cresty, you look so beautiful today yes thank you um normally i'd be upset when people say how fucking orange look at how fucking orange you look but it's cute. It's real cute. It's real what? cute. No, you look beautiful. No, you look nice. That was a RuPaul's Drag Race reference. If you, oh, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We're all crowds. Tough crowds. Tough crowds. Tough crowds. Hey, you make you make ninety day Beyonce references. I'm here for it. That's what. All I know is that no net. Oh yeah, big head. That's the dude. That's the homie. <laughs> big head out here in these streets. Impact was okay. Um. I saw Bully Ray try to pull Jedi mind tricks on PCO, but how can you pull a mind trick on a zombie? But it's impact, so it worked. So <laughs> that sums up impact. It was a good show. It was a good show. It was a good show. I can't complain. Joel, how did you feel about it? Yes, I enjoyed watching Impact for the second time in a week. <laughs> oh, oh wow. poor. This is Joel to a T, okay? We go to Forbidden Door and he's like, oh, the presser is so late. I'm so tired for Daniel Kanokata. I just oh, wanted wham, to get wham, him. Wham, wham, wham. Wham. Oh, I saw Impact Live and now I have to watch it again because yeah, I have to go to a show for take. free with my whole family. Wham, wham, wham. That was not... That, I don't wish that upon anybody, okay? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, all right. You bring your mom, your dad, your brother, and your soon-to-be sister-in-law to a wrestling show, you got to know what's going to happen. You're going to witness the murder. Legit, (laughs) I'm dying to bring my sister to a wrestling show because she is hysterical and has no idea what's going on. I'm going to start doing prediction shows with her on my YouTube, I think, because she's just... First of all, it's so annoying how often she's right about everything because... We all sit here and analyze booking to a T, but at the end of the day, it's crapshoot. And the amount of time she's like, yeah, that she just loves to break up tag teams. She's like, yeah, they're going to break up. That's so very WWE. The other guys. And yeah, I was going to say, if I'm predicting WWE, there's like a 70-30 shot that she's right. Uh, she's really big into that. And she's just big into using words that she doesn't know what they mean. Like, she just Perfect. says work shoot all the time. Oh, I love it. Just, yes. Yeah. I love your sister already. Oh, I love it. Oh, my it. God. I love it. <laughs> She she found out what agenting meant, and now she just says everything is agenting. She's like, I was in Target, and I was agenting the other day. Like, she doesn't know what anything means, but she uses all the words. That's great. It's the best. That's honestly, that's what happened to my family when I kept saying everything is a work, and when I had to really explain to them. So now, when I go to my mom's house, like, is this one of those things that you guys are, you call a work? I'm like, mom, never say that again, please. Please. Don't do this to me. You working me right now. You working me. You working my nerves right now. You working me. She also calls Aussie Open the green team, which I appreciate. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty accurate. They always wear green. It was them versus the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks were silver, and she was like, okay, the green team. And now anytime I mention them, she's like, green team. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's going to call the Dark Order uh, the purple team? Well, no, because that would include Matt Taven. Yes. And we all know Taven. Kate don't like Matt <laughs> I don't hey, hate Matt it. Taven. What do you have against Matt Taven? I have I have really no emotional reaction to Matt Taven either way. It's just my thing. Like he's just kind of Matt Taven is a personal friend of mine because back in to, uh, 2018, 2019, oh he gave me a shirt. Name dropping. He gave me a shirt at Hammerstein Ballroom in front of all the fans oh, at Hammerstein bro. Ballroom. This and he said, he said, he said, if you get if you wear this shirt, you'll get laid. 
And then a year later, I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant. So (laughs) he was right. I was about to say. This is very, 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 very important. Was it nine months later or was it a year later? I need to know. It was It was a year later. So she was okay, still pregnant. Okay. She, I was no just wondering how but, strong but, of a manifester he was. Okay, And he was Ring of Honor world champion. So that night changed the both of us. So I told him, I was oh like, thank God. you. Thank you for my family. And you welcome for the Ring of Honor world championship. Bro, and he was like. <laughs> We have an interview. We have an interview. Did you swaddle your baby in a purple onesie immediately? Was it just like in a? Oh, you just popped me! All it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) When purple onesies come on. And one of your kids is now named Melvin. Not (laughs) Melvin. Okay, Melvin. I will say, like I, I can take or leave Matt David. I don't have anything against him. I'm just not like overwhelmingly for him melvin is an 11 out of 10 insult that is yes. phenomenal yes melvin you call someone a melvin oh that how do you come back from a melvin because everyone knows a melvin everybody knows a melvin that's it yep. and if you that's don't know a melvin guess who's the melvin oh no well, i am gonna go because i don't know a melvin but well, have we fun with the <laughs> all i'm saying is we have a matt taven interview sitting in the background ready to go okay it's sitting behind the scenes on youtube i know cresta's hair was foreshadowing the purple mm. was there yeah i actually in sean ross's basement it's a quite i mean his outside house you know he's gonna play the piano later on so you're, 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 you're staying in the pool house like you're will smith and carlton in season four of fresh prince um i'm like trying to be like will washington mr bill birmingham himself <laughs> okay here we are <laughs> We're out of here. Enjoy. Get out of here. Not going to get better than SP3 saying Matt Taven got like pregnant, <laughs> whatever. I'm going to go. But it was great to see you. Don't insinuate that Matt Taven got SP3's girlfriend. Pregnant. I know. I started to like think about the words no, I was saying. He, and I was like, it's time to go. He to go. pushed me to get my girlfriend pregnant. Been there. Excuse me, phrasing. Phrasing, sir. <laughs> he gave me a push. Gave me a push. No, like, over. A year later, <laughs> she was giving the push. Doing a few months, yeah, that was, that, that was her. Everybody yeah. was putting each other over. <laughs> well, some people were getting under. <laughs> is this a wrestling show? <laughs> I gotta go. Great to see you. I'm out. I'm great. sure people on the internet won't be weird about that at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is back, baby. Love you guys. Enjoy Bye. that back review. Oh, Leave a thumbs up on this video. Bye. Yes. Care, y'all. See Love you guys. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.